Welcome to the Gestalt IT Rundown, where each time we meet, we run down the IT news of the week with a variable degree of snarkiness. I'm your host, Stephen Foskett, and I'm also your host, Stephen Foskett, because, hey, it's just me this week on National Doctor Day, uh, March 30th, 2022. So remember to celebrate a physician near you. Um, that sounds very strange, doesn't it? Well, anyway, here we go. Let's dive into the news of the week this week. So one of the biggest stories that uh, was making the rounds in tech this week was the hacking group Las Lapsus dollar sign. I'm just going to call it Lapsus. Uh, they've used unconventional methods to hack companies like Microsoft and NVIDIA. Um, many cyber researchers were shocked, however, to find that the hacks were traced to a 16-year-old who lives with his mother just outside of Oxford, England. No, this is not a The Onion story. The elite hacking group that hacked into Okta and Microsoft was probably a 16-year-old kid in England. Uh, they've been un unable to conclusively tie all these attacks to this particular teen, but it does look more and more like he was the leader and that he was the one coordinating the attacks, even though he was working with a number of others. Um, this is a very strange story because, frankly, we like to think that elite hackers are, I don't know, state-sponsored terrorists or using, you know, high-powered zero-day exploits. But no, no, this whole story is all about social engineering, it's about ransomware, and it's about a teen in Oxford who was just trying to prove himself from the looks of it. Well, prove himself he did because he managed to get into Okta. He uh, even uh, got into Microsoft, and, and as part of this crazy hack, we're hearing that he did things like taunting them by jumping onto the Zoom call of the incident response team and uh, joining the conversation and then uh, telling them that uh, he uh, was going to exploit them further, demanding ransomware, all sorts of things, uh, probably that he never intended to follow through on because, after all, you're a 16-year-old kid in Oxford, um, what are you doing here? It looks like, though, uh, it did include some others, including some insiders as well as some teens. Uh, there was a teen in Brazil mentioned as well. So, uh, you know, this is a really uh, unusual story. Uh, probably one of the most interesting aspects for me personally as well was that at first the researchers thought that they were dealing with a high-level automated attack because the attacks were so quick. But then they found out that he was literally just typing really fast. I know, it sounds like the onion, right? But that's the story. Up next, we recently heard that Kaspersky has put on the FCC security threat list. Let's try that again. Up next, we've heard that Kaspersky has been put on the United States FCC security threat list. The Russian security company was already barred from participating in some sensitive uh, installations in the military and government, but now it's right up there along with some of the biggest threats to the United States national security. Uh, this is another strange story because, frankly, uh, Kaspersky is pretty widely recognized and respected in the enterprise security space. And I think that most people uh, in the security space didn't have any qualms about using their software. But that being said, uh, it's a new situation. It's a new world. We've got a uh, Russian invasion. We've got Russian sanctions. And it doesn't always come down to the people that we've always known at companies like this. Sometimes 
the government comes knocking and asks them to do something, and you kind of have to do it. So I'm really not surprised that this has happened, but uh, you know, it's it's really too bad that uh, the war, uh, the invasion of Ukraine, is is causing issues now f across the landscape for companies uh, in every industry. So that being said, I guess out with the Kaspersky, at least if you're in the United States. The next story comes from our friend, social media gadfly, Corey Quinn, who reports that Ubiquity, a well-known uh, Wi-Fi company, especially in the small and mid-sized business space, is apparently suing uh, well-known security blogger Brian Krebs for defamation. Now, Krebs had posted last year information about a security uh, breach at Ubiquity, and he accused the company of covering up the breach. The company did indeed, as uh, Corey Quinn has noted, uh, notify customers, but in the mildest possible way about the breach. And then only later did it uh, report in an SEC filing that it looks like it was an insider uh, breach by one of their employees, and therefore was a little bit more concerning than uh, had initially been uh, let on. So Krebs was banging the drum that this was a big deal and that people should change their credentials and so on. Uh, Ubiquity has a different opinion and says that this is a much less big deal and is now accusing Krebs of using the very insider who may have caused the breach as his source. This is a tangled and weird story that gets into the worlds of journalism and blogging and social media. But one thing is for sure, and that's that it's really not cool to shoot the messenger. If you're a company and you're thinking of suing a security blogger, especially one as respected as Brian Krebs for defamation over something that they're saying on their blog, uh, when really it looks like they were just trying to bang the drum about a security breach, which is pretty much what Krebs does all the time, sorry, but you're in the wrong. Uh, I just can't imagine the fact that nobody in Ubiquity management understood just how respected Krebs is when they put together this complaint, because as reported by Corey Quinn, it says some pretty nasty things about the guy. And frankly, this is another great example of the Streisand effect where a company will lash out at a perceived critic and it'll cause even more publicity for the thing that they're trying to cover up. Well, that's just what's happening. And in fact, there's been an avalanche of Ubiquity users saying that the, uh, the lawsuit is causing them to rethink whether they want to use Ubiquity at all. And some of them are already pulling out their uh, Ubiquity infrastructure and replacing it with uh, Wi-Fi and networking gear from different companies based on this lawsuit which again is only known about because it was reported by Twitter and uh, email newsletter guy, uh, Corey Quinn. So it's a very, very strange story as well, but I think that there's a cautionary tale in here for companies, don't shoot the messenger. In corporate news, we hear that HP is about to acquire Poly, the well-known maker of video conferencing hardware and software. This acquisition, priced at about $3.3 billion, is going to give HP an entrance into the burgeoning video conferencing and teleconferencing market that is uh, obviously dominated by Zoom, but also uh, by HP rival Cisco. It's important to note that this is HP Inc., not Hewlett Packard Enterprise, the company that split off from HP a few years back. 
this uh, merger would make HP instantly one of the biggest players in video conferencing. And frankly, that fits with the rest of their product portfolio, which consists of laptops and printers and cameras and that sort of thing. So, you know, it really makes a lot of sense. On the other hand, uh, Poly is not really all that competitive in the video conferencing software market. Um, you know, ask anyone how you do a video call, and they're going to say Zoom. They're probably not going to talk about Polycom. But, you know, HP has a big marketing footprint, and maybe they can change that. Now let's take a closer look at the stories that are coming from here in Las Vegas. I'm here at Aruba Atmosphere 22, and uh, it's hard to avoid uh, the news from this event, mainly because the event itself is the news. Uh, I am hearing from well-placed sources that there are actually more people in person here in uh, Las Vegas for Aruba Atmosphere 22 than there were on site at Aruba Atmosphere in 2019, which is the last time they did this event in person. And frankly, that's what it looks like to me as well. It seems as well that they are organizing this uh, entire event so that they are able to accommodate both in-person and remote attendees. Sometimes uh, that's been very, very successful, and sometimes a little bit less so, for example, with the placement of chairs at the keynote. But that being said, overall, it's a very well-done production, and Aruba is doing a really nice job of making us all feel safe and comfortable attending a conference in person once again. But looking at the news coming out of Atmosphere, one thing that really strikes my attention is something that they just released this morning, which is a new API for hyperlocation indoor services of uh, Wi-Fi, uh, enabled by Wi-Fi, uh, called OpenLocate. Now, this is an open uh, protocol, and uh, Ruba has already said that they're working with companies like Tile and probably Google to deliver indoor location services uh, based on the ability of the access points themselves to locate themselves using technology like GPS and hypersensitive clocks. This sounds a little bit uh, obscure, probably, for the people in the audience who aren't aware of Wi-Fi technology. So as somebody who's not really aware of Wi-Fi technology, let's try to translate that for you. So for a long time, Aruba has been really focused on location-based services for Wi-Fi. This is sort of one of their primary niches. In fact, if you look at the kind of uh, locations that use Aruba Wi-Fi, it tends to be places like uh, retail, uh, entertainment, uh, expo centers like the uh, Sands Convention Center, hotels, factories, that sort of thing. Things that are very focused on using Wi-Fi, not just as a communication mechanism, but as a way to precisely locate and track the movement of people within the footprint of the facility. They do this uh, basically the way you'd suspect that they would, using a combination of uh, signal strength and uh, triangulation of multiple access points. But traditionally, location-based Wi-Fi has relied on a, a manual process of uh, assigning uh, location manually to access points based on um, a map that you create and you kind of put little X marks a spot and you install the Wi-Fi access point there and then you encode that and you say that's where that one is. The problem is that this can degrade and change over time. 
So where you think the access point might be, it might, might not actually be exactly there. You know, maybe the electrician put it somewhere else because there was a, a duct there or some other obstruction. Uh, maybe they replaced it and uh, put the new one somewhere else a little bit differently. Maybe they uh, swapped them around somehow. And so location-based uh, services haven't been all that accurate uh, historically, and uh, especially over time, they've changed. Aruba is trying to fix that by integrating two technologies into their next generation access points. One of them is a very, very, very precise uh, clock and time services, which would allow them to make that triangulation work really, really well. We had a uh, introduction to this at the Tech Field Day uh, event yesterday that we just published as well, where uh, Chuck and Stuart from Aruba go into great detail about the history of location using time, uh, all the way back to uh, marine chronometers and the hunt for longitude and that sort of thing. And uh, that's roughly what they're doing with these access points. And that's gonna be rolled out across all of the models of their new generation. The higher end stuff uh, also has uh, GPS receivers as well. And this is a little bit strange because, of course, these things are indoors where sometimes uh, GPS signals aren't always available or aren't always reliable. But Aruba has built this open locate platform to allow the system to tune itself. So essentially, the, the goal here would be that you would place these access points, uh, and there would be hundreds of them in a facility like a hotel or a factory. You would place these access points. They would find, kind of find themselves and locate themselves, and over time, really precisely locate themselves, and then they would be able to communicate with the clients. They would be able to uh, then much, much more precisely track the movement and the location of clients, including uh, Bluetooth-enabled clients like the tile devices that I mentioned, as well as uh, mobile phones, smartwatches, that sort of thing, as they move throughout a facility. It would also, of course, be very, very valuable in uh, maybe a factory setting or an industrial or uh, commercial setting where you wanted to track other kinds of devices, uh, you know, housekeeping carts or uh, industrial robots or that sort of thing. And all of this uh, would be much more precise than was ever done before. And also, importantly, it would be kept up to date over time, which is something that's never really been uh, possible before. And as I mentioned as well, Open Locate is going to be a public service that's going to be allow, uh, invite in others to participate. Um, you know, they're, they're going to have uh, software development kits for various platforms, and they're hoping that this leads to a new generation of very, very precise indoor location services based on GPS coordinates instead of based on some arbitrary map. So all of this is a pretty exciting announcement to wireless uh, engineers, but it's also, as you can see, a pretty interesting announcement for the rest of us in technology because uh, such precise locations can be used in a lot of productive ways. I also must point out that uh, precise location-based services could also be used in um, somewhat more negative ways as well. If you imagine the, all the furor that's been happening with Apple's AirTags and tracking of people uh, imagine uh, being able to track people much, much more precisely in hotels, in conferences, in uh, retail establishments. Imagine being able to, to detect not just uh, where your customers are generally, but precise locations down to a very pinpoint accuracy within a retail store, for example, and be able to see exactly where somebody's standing and where they're moving and where they went next. 
all of these things are, are very valuable data that a retailer would want, but uh, privacy advocates, of course, are gonna be a little bit concerned about this. So we'll see where this goes long term, but frankly, there's no standing in the way of technology, and this is the technology that Aruba has rolled out. If you'd like to learn more about these uh, location services, I recommend going to the Tech Field Day website or to youtube.com slash techfieldday, and you'll find some videos, including an hour-long deep dive into the Aruba Open Locate uh, and location-aware access points that I've just described with uh, Chuck Lukashevsky. This is a very interesting uh, presentation, and it really gets into the, the nuts and bolts of how this technology works. So now let's look at the week ahead. As I've mentioned, we are currently at Aruba Atmosphere. Uh, we were recently hosted our uh, security field day event, and those videos are now online. Uh, the Aruba Atmosphere videos will be online as well pretty quickly. And next week, uh, Wednesday through Friday, is uh, Tech Field Day 25. So we're very excited to be presenting uh, presentations from a wide variety of companies next week, uh, including uh, MinIO, Intel, Fortinet, VMware, Nasuni, Apica, and Keysight. So if you're interested in any of those, this is our All Topics Gestalt event. And again, that's uh, Wednesday through Friday. Uh, April 6th through 8th, starting at 8 a.m. Pacific time each day. Thanks for joining us for the Gestalt IT Rundown. This uh, production is available as a podcast as well as on YouTube every Wednesday. And we encourage you to give us a subscription, a like, a rating, a review to let us know you're listening. We'll be back next Wednesday to talk about all the IT news of the week that was... But until then, for myself, Stephen Foskett, my co-host, Tom Hollingsworth, and the rest of us here at the Gestalt IT family, here's wishing you and yours a atmospheric day.